다음날에 Which one, son? Where? 61? 62? 63? 64? 65? But some of you are right. Psalm 60. If you do the math, this will put us what percentage of the way through the psalm? Chop off the O's at 6 over 15. Divide by 3. That's 2 over 5. 40. 40%. So, we're putting it in, aren't we? By the way, part of this psalm is repeated in another. I guess Lord one is here twice. Psalm 60. Let's read all 12 verses. <laughs> o God, thou hast cast us off, thou hast scattered us, thou hast been displeased. O turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Thou hast shown thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be even displayed because of the truth. That thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and hear me. God hath spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice, I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim also is the strength of mine head, Judah is my lawgiver, Moab is my washpot, over Edom will I cast out my shoe, Philistia triumph thou because of me. Who will bring me into the strong city, who will lead me into Edom? Will not thou, O God, which has cast us off? And thou, O God, which didst not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. That's a mouthful. If you turn over to Psalm 108, very close in quite a bit of this. But if you look at the last two verses, 12 and 13, uh, I think this is the same thing, folks. Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly. For he it is that shall tread down our enemies. <clears throat> I want you to see something here. There are a couple of ten word affirmations. Affirmations made up of one syllable words. You know, some people think the Bible has to be complicated. And yet, it's interesting to me, in fact, for a while there in midnight, I preached a series on texts with all one syllable words. For example, Paul told the Philippians, for me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I think Dr. Seuss would have been jealous of that to be able to say so much with just one syllable word. 
Somebody said, you know, English is such a crazy language. How come the word abbreviation is so long? What an abbreviation means, you're making it short. Hmm. Speaking of one-syllable words, a certain religious institution, a teaching institution, had some people of one stripe and some of another stripe, and they wanted a, we call it a tagline today, or a motto, and somebody said, why don't we come up with a real easy tagline? Let's have ten words in it, and let's have two letters in each one syllable word. And we, they call it the War of the W's because some of those people aligned with Mr. Wesley, and others aligned with Mr. Whitfield. And so the first group jumped up, and they, they said this. I can describe my prospects and my hopes with these ten two-letter words. Can y'all read that? I hope my scratches isn't too hard to read. If it is to be, it is up to me. And there are a lot of people who say, that's it. You got it down. That's the way it is. I believe you ought to have a positive mental attitude about things, but you need to be realistic. And, my dear, would you hand me that black marker in next to my stuff? I've done plum forgotten snagging. If it is to be, it is up to me. Sound pretty good? Could it be improved? Well, the people on the other side of the aisle said, well, yes, it could. Through the marble of Kleenex drop out of my pocket. Let's uh, just make a little change. just change two words. I'm a lot more comfortable with this. They may not. 
But if they're true, they're true. And we need to deal with that. We talk about the reality of hell. There's no way you can sugarcoat that. And not only should it affect our mind, but our heart and our mouths and our hands and our feet. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I think that's more than just a casual, let me inform you of a few facts. I can tell you a fact. The aardvark is a strange animal with a strange name to spell to boot. But that fact won't do you a whole lot of good spiritually. Due to our pride, it's hard for us to admit a couple of things that come out loud and clear in this song. Psalm, I should say. I say song because I meant to ask brother, brother Dan, if we would sing in 228. What a friend we have in Jesus. Because you don't have a better friend than Jesus Christ. Do you know that? I thought you were my friend, preacher. I do my best, but I can't be as good a friend to you as Jesus. I thought my brother. I thought my buddy. I thought my neighbor. Good friend. Hey, they might be wonderful as far as a human can go. But there is one who sticks closer than a brother. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. If there's one in the corner, so to speak, the child of God, it's the Lord. And I'm so thankful. I trust you are too. The two hard lessons in this psalm, it's not the first time you've heard it, you've been listening. And I would say, by the grace of God, I hope to continue preaching the same thing that these things are so. Not because I said them. I just echo what God has said. Don't believe it because this or any other preacher says, believe it because God's Word says. And what are those two things? We saw the first one in verse 11. Vain is the help of man. Is it wait, preacher? I've had a lot of people help me. They've encouraged me. They've given me instruction. They've given me money. They've given me position. Vain is the help of man compared to what God Himself can and is pleased to bestow upon His people. And the other thought is found in the second part. Of verse 12, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. We had somebody come to us the other day with a petition. Want to sign this? It's so we can have alcohol here in Polk County. And I'm not going to sign it. Well, you see, there's a spot here. You can sign it to say you're against it. I said, well, I'm already against it. And the law is already against it. So why should I sign your little petition. Well, uh, 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 uh. you know, if it smells like there's something rotten in Denmark, it probably is. So, if you sign one of those things, I don't think the Lord's going to knock you upside the head, but uh, forewarned is forearmed, you know. Let's think about these thoughts. Vain is the help of man. Now, there are organizations, including religions. Have you ever heard of the Church of Scientology? They and others would tell you, you, it's up to you. If you can think it, if you can believe, you can achieve. Well, I got news for all of the human race. My Bible tells me, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman 
maketh but in vain. All of your plotting and scheming and preparation will come to naught. You know what naught is? It's the opposite of ought. Ought means something. Nothing! Nothing will come of it! Vain! It's an empty hope! You're fooling yourself if you think man can get me out of this mess. Vain is the help of man. Now some people suppose that man has unlimited abilities to accomplish his goals and dreams. They're just untapped. I've been told since I was a little kid that you only use about 12% of your brain. Having been in education most of my adult life, I wonder if some people used even 12%. But I don't know how they would know such a thing. But I think sometimes people just think, if I could use the other 88% more, how much better things would be. <clears throat> Anything that gives hope to man that he can pick himself up by his own bootstraps. My old landlord, he said a lot of crazy things, but one thing that made a lot of sense, don't you kid yourself. Made a lot of sense. The scriptures clearly affirm the limits of man's capacity to so-called help. Let me just give you a few. Go back to 2 Chronicles, chapter 32. There's a lot in Chronicles and Replicates, which you read in earlier books. But that's okay. God knew we needed to hear it more than once. Just like we read 108, the last couple of verses. <clears throat> Second Chronicles 32, and verse number 8. Talking about man! He was like, what about this guy? He's a king! He's got armies at his disposal. He's got all these chariots and horses and weapons. Wow! He's messed up. The king needed to be reminded that concerning that king, with him is an arm of flesh. What can happen to flesh? If you don't feed it, he's dead. We were talking, again, Sunday school, brother. If you don't get oxygen, you might have a strong-looking arm, but you don't get oxygen to the brain, that arm won't do you any good whatsoever. With him is an arm of flesh. With you, with me, with your friend, with your enemy, with anybody else walking around in two feet. With him is our flesh, but with us it is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. That expression comes out a lot in Scripture. That should humble us. That should remind us the battle is the Lord's. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Really? Really? It's a lot easier to make the boast than to come through with the goods. Now, isn't it? We've seen many times in the Psalms. See, it's the Lord who fights the battle of His people on our behalf for His glory and for our good. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Go to the right just a little bit. Psalm 33, verses 16 and 17. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. That goes contrary to a lot of military strategy but not according to what the God of heaven has said. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Hmm. There's a reason why God emphasizes that. 
Psalm 56 and verse 4. In God I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And if you drop down to verse 11, he gives a truncated version of the same thing. In God will I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Isn't it intriguing how quickly we start biting our nails and worrying, worrying. Somebody might hear. Somebody might think. Somebody might act. Somebody might really put the hurt on me. Really? You're afraid about what somebody might do? Better find your place out in the woods to hide. Hide under the bed. Don't bother anybody. But you don't, you can still have a problem. There's a little town in California called Weed. Yeah, they get ticketed about that a lot. And a lot of them thought, well, hey, we got this nice property here, almost in Oregon. What a great place to live. Fire came through and took out those houses mightily. People fled, sparing only the shirt on their back. You think, well, I've got this protection. I've got an insurance policy. I've got friends. I've got neighbors. Yeah, but, and you got a bunch of ashes. <clears throat> Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You think? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Hmm. You know, if I didn't know better, I think God is making a point there. Mm -hmm. Psalm 146 and verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. I'll tell you what. I got your back. You got mine. People cut deals. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You watch out for me, I'll watch out for you. You know, when World War II was a brewing, there was a man named Adolf Hitler and another by the name of Joseph Stalin. And they, they cut a deal. They said, your enemy is my enemy. My enemy is your enemy. And we will right here, right now, affirm that we will have the back of our buddy. And most of the rest of the world said, we know they're going to break this. Only question is, will Hitler stab Stalin in the back first? Or will Stalin stab Hitler in the back? Well, in the annals of history, we might look at the details, but the fact is, people knew that A couldn't trust B and B couldn't trust A. So it's important when we look at the word to be reminded that you put your confidence in man, you might as well trust in a rope of sand. Proverbs 29, verse 25, you will grow spiritually if you will take this premise to heart. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Because if you're afraid of men, afraid of folks, what they could do, what they might do, if you really take that seriously, you'll never have a sleepful night. You know, people say, I'm going to get some security. I'm going to have some special protection. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. But if they're honest, security people will tell you, if somebody wants bad enough to get you dead, you're going to wind up dead. It's just a matter of time. Because nobody can protect you against all the contingencies. There's so many things that are threatening to destroy. So the help of man is a vain thing. Men tend to assume this posture, I call it the Muhammad Ali. He said, I am the greatest. I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Speaking of insects, the last time I saw Muhammad Ali, he was dealing with insects in bug spray. 
Wow. The king of the ring reduced to killing the bugs. That's what happens. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. You see, you can go very, very quickly from hero to zero. Did you know that? You can do it. I can do it. And sometimes the person who boasts the most said, Not me! I got a cover. I got a plan. I got protection. I am not going to have that happen to me. Well, you can make all kinds of plans. But you can fall flat on your face, too. There was a king who'd heard about Hezekiah. He said, ha, ha, ha. He thinks he can stand against me. He's got another thing coming. Part of his boast is found here in 2 Chronicles 32, verses 12 and 13. Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know ye not what I and my fathers that have done to all the people of other lands? Look at my track record. I will grind you in the dust. Were the gods of the nations of those lands anyways able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Buddy, you are toast. It's going down. You're going down. Drop down to verse 21 of the same chapter. And the Lord sent an angel which cut off all the mighty men of valor. Uh-oh. And the leaders and captains of the camp of the king of Assyria. Uh-oh. King of Assyria. Uh, men, let's go. There aren't any men. Leaders, let's... Ain't any leaders. I'm on here. My wife's up. I guess it's time to exit stage right. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. Finally I'm safe. Safe and sound. In my own home. My home is my castle and I'll be okie dokie now. Nothing can hurt me here. So he said, let's finish the verse. And when he was come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels, that means his own kids, slew him there with the sword. You think you are invincible? No, you are invincible. You can be defeated. You can be one who is going down. Sometimes we claim to have somebody's back. Even the Lord, during His earthly ministry, there were people that said, you know, Lord, uh, we, we got you covered. And some of you so bold. You know, these other guys, they, they might desert you, but not me. They might look, run like rats, but, but not me. You can count on me. Easy words to say. Perhaps even easy to me. But what's going to go down. Mark chapter 14. Jesus knew. Jesus told him. Because Peter himself said, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. That's verse 29. The Lord did not turn to Peter and say, I'm glad I got one guy behind me. I'm glad I can count on you, Simon Peter. You and me, we got it together. No, it's not what Jesus said. Not at all. Look at verse 30. And Jesus said, Verily I say that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now Peter went on to say, uh, No, no, not me. Uh, I don't know why you said that, Lord, but, but that, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You know, there's two little words you can say. We'll see. I've had people say, I'll make it. We'll see. I'll live. We'll see. There was a preacher, 
Joe Shelnut, who was pretty well known in Benton. In fact, he's a founding pastor of Eastside Church. And John R. Gilpin, a well-known preacher in our circles, got up and says, when Joe Shelnut dies, I want to preach his funeral. I'm going to say, the shell remains, the nut is gone. <coughs> Joe Shelnut said, just for that, I'm going to have a little John Gilpin. And he did. Be careful what you boast. The scriptures and experience should wisen us to this truth. I had someone ask me, who's been the greatest influence on your life? And how often do you get to tell them so? And I had to say, honestly, most of them are dead. I think I could say without fear of contradiction that every former pastor I had is either dead or is denied the faith or both. That's serious. Some of y'all remember Earl Smith. I love Brother Earl Smith. He was a good friend to us when we came to Benton, but he passed 20 years ago. My own father-in-law, very precious to me, but oh, he's gone too. Lawrence Crawford probably had a greater impression on me and his cousin sits here with us this afternoon. Lawrence Crawford, I can't blame him for my meanness, but uh, I can credit him for, he'd say, Stephen, what does the Bible say? Well, I think, I don't care what you think. The people don't care what you think. What does the Bible say? Some people just can't get that right. Men are flawed. Men are incomplete in their knowledge. Men forget things. Now the Lord is not flawed. He does not forget things. He's not going to leave you in the lurch. The Lord has never said, take care of that the best way I can. But we've had some people talk that way to us. To see God as God would have us to see. To see and appreciate God's appreciation. Wasn't long ago I pointed over to 2 Kings 6. We got the prophet Elisha, and he's got this kid, his sidekick. And the kid looked around, wow, look at all the enemy all the place. And Elisha said, son. There's more with us than with them. What? What are you talking about? And he didn't say, well, kid, in 30 years, will you have a little more experience? No. He said, Lord, open his eyes. And he saw the host of heaven. See, when somebody has a difference with us, we shouldn't make fun of them or slap them upside the head or call them an idiot. Pray for them. May the Lord open their eyes. Be thankful that the Lord opened your eyes. And there were people who prayed for me that my eyes would be open to things. Sometimes we get so haughty we think we have arrived. We're like that preacher that says, I've studied that out. That's not healthy at all. If you think by that, nobody can tell me anything about that. To know as God would have us to know in the 26th of Matthew, Jesus surrounded by the enemy as far as folks could tell. As the Lord, they just just us few. Just it's not even 12 of us because Judas isn't here. And here come these folks with weapons, and they have a decree, they're going to take you into custody. And the Lord said, don't you know you're worried about 12 humans against a few of these? At my word, I can call down more than 12 legions of angels. Now men have toned that down a little bit. They wrote a song, he could have called 10,000 angels. That's true. 
Michino Legion has up to 6,000. 6,000 times 12 is 72,000. I told you when we were in Shreveport, R.G. Lee came and preached. And he told how that he got a young man in a service where he was preaching. And they sang that song. He could have called 10,000 angels. And he said, young man, it's true he could, but actually it's a bigger figure than that. He could have called 72,000 angels. So before the meetings were over, I think the last service, he got up to sing that as a special. He could have called 72,000 angels, Brother Lee. Don't understate the case with the Lord. Don't think the Lord is having a hard time getting by. He's just kind of getting along. No, that's not the God of this book. got to help God out a little bit. No, not the God of this book. Vain is the help of man. The other thought that comes out at the end of verse 12, He it is that shall tread down our enemies. It's the Lord who fights for you. I remember a cartoon where there's this little guy and he dares somebody. Come on, put it to Get his big buddy behind him. Everybody run away! And he thought, that's because they're afraid of me. No, because when the big buddy won there, he get creamed. You and I are like the little guy without the big buddy behind him. In and of ourselves, we can do this much. I am the vine, Jesus said. You're the branches. Without me, he can do not even a little bit. He can do nothing. When the Hebrews were up their backs against the Red Sea, they couldn't go over, they couldn't go under, they couldn't go east, they couldn't go west, north or south. And here come the Egyptians! I guarantee you, Noah, Moses didn't say, well folks, I did the best I can. Uh, so long. No. He held out his rod. And he told them, Bob, the hardest thing to do, human, stand still. Why? And see the salvation of the Lord. It's the Lord who strikes down our enemies. It's the Lord who melts hearts. It's the Lord who changes perceptions. It's the Lord who changes your circumstances such. Do you mind if I tell them the answer to the question, the challenge you gave in Sunday school? Thank you. I'd be kind of downpressed if you said, no, don't do that. But uh, he asked the question, can you think of somebody when they were told, you just shut up about your God. There was a man who had enemies. He was righteous. His enemies weren't. They hated his guts. I'll give you his end. His name means God is my judge. And they had wheedled up to the king and said, let's get this decree. You put your seal on it. Anybody calls on any unauthorized religious figure, they can be thrown in a den of lions because you are the greatest king. Well, <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, where do I, where do I see him? Now we've got him. And knowing what the law was, this brave prophet went into his house. He didn't go down to the basement. He didn't set his alarm for three in the morning so nobody would catch him. He didn't whisper his prayer so nobody could hear. No! Open the windows just like before and pray to his God. I think he understood it. The sense of what we just read in Proverbs 29. The fear of man brings a snare. You're afraid of folks, what they're going to think. You know, even if you go by the straight and narrow, what stops somebody from lying about you? Just for some juicy gossip? I knew some inmates who decided they didn't like a certain chapel. He's a good man. 
I counted my friend, but uh, I got bored. They said, let's start a rumor that he's doing this and doing that. Skimming off the inmates' offerings. I'll tell you, those uh, $8.92 offerings every week, very tempting to the preacher, you know. And uh, they started all kinds of lies. And the major called the chaplain in and said, Major, I got a report on my desk that says you've been stealing God's money. And he said, well, because God is my witness, I haven't knowingly taken anything that wasn't mine. Well, it was an unsigned charge. We don't put too much stock on that anyway. And when they found out, the ringleaders of that, they said, why do you have now we were bored? Go on, see if we get him fired. Somebody's got it in for you, and the Lord is pleased to allow that, it'll happen. If the Lord's not pleased to allow that, you're going to be okay. So don't sweat that kind of stuff. He is that shall tread down our enemies. I have the time to give you all I have just in my notes here, but I believe I've got at least 20 different passages which tell us that it's the Lord that fights our battles. I think I've covered that before in this pulpit. Not to, Now, if somebody comes to me before we leave and say, well, preacher, I, I'd like to see some of those. <laughs> Show it to you. I got it right here. It's not black and white. It's my red. But it's right here. A whole bunch of them. It's the Lord who fights our battles for us because I'm not such a great fighter. When David faced down Goliath, no! He said, you come with all that stuff? Well, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to put you down. <laughs> what can you do? All you've got, kid, is that little sling. I suppose you're going to hit me with a rock. Why, the only part of me you can hit me is the spotlight. And down he went. The guy's laying there. And he wasn't using his sword. So David said, well, since nobody's using this sword, I'll use it. And he hacked the guy's head off. And he showed Goliath's head to the enemy. Somebody says, well, you really believe David killed Goliath? Maybe he killed him with the stone. I don't know. But even if he was alive, maybe he was just stunned. Maybe he said, unbelievable. I don't know what that kid hit me there. He's laying there. And once David hacked off his head, I want you Goliath was for sure dead. So yes, David killed Goliath. But really, it's God. Because God guided that stone and God provided that sword. God gave David the life and the breath and the gumption. David followed through. It's the Lord who shall tread down our enemies. So many times we've seen that already in the Psalms. In Psalm 18, pardon me, verse 3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And He sure is. So shall I be saved from my enemies. It's not, I'm going to just say to myself, when I was a little kid, we learned that. What was it? The little engine that could? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And Sometimes we tell kids, if you just have a positive mental attitude, if you just made up your mind, just make up your mind and do it, and then do it. That doesn't always work, folks. You can have the best of intentions. I had a friend who thought, I'm going to get my mama's, she has three umbrellas. I'm going to jump off the roof and I'm going to all three umbrellas and come down like a parachute. And uh, I'm really surprised all he did was sprain his ankle because he could have been a lot more messed up than that. Just because you think you're going to make it, you can be greatly deceived. That same psalm, verse 46, The Lord liveth and blessed be my rock and the 
of my salvation be exalted. He gets the credit. He gets the glory. I think we're living in Colorado this time. We're up late watching it. This back when Mr. Carson was still on TV. And he had a host, Jackie Gleason. I know he's not a, a picture of theological profundity or anything like that. But Jackie was on the show. And Johnny wanted to pay him a legitimate compliment. He said, you know, Jackie, uh, you've got recordings. You've got comedy. You've got drama. You've got TV. People know you. And you have brought a lot of pleasure to a lot of people. I've got to say, if there's anybody that's talented, it's you, Jackie Gleason. And, of course, the crowd is clapping away. Jackie said, Johnny, I said, no, something. The funny thing about talent, you can't take any credit for it because God gave it to me. Wow! On national TV! One of Hollywood's oldest and better recognized to say, what I have done, it's a gift from God. I can't take any credit for it. I don't know if Jackie Gleason is a saved man. I, I wouldn't base my view of that on him saying that, but somebody told him something, and he took it to heart, and he passed it on. And I wonder how many millions of people saw that. Probably a lot of them was in one and out the other, but he spoke the truth. And if I do something for you, or you do something for me, or somebody else does something for somebody else, be thankful. Never forget a, an act of kindness, but remember where the source of that is. God is the author. You know, it would be good if we had a Bible verse that says, Every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of Lord. Oh, there is. That's in James. I believe that's in the first chapter. All throughout the scriptures, time and time again, it's the Lord who treads down our enemies. He didn't just chase them off so they can come back and fight another day. They are down. They are out. You know, Moses told the Hebrews, besides stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, he said, get a good look at those Egyptians. It's the last time you're going to see them. Alive. What did Moses know that they didn't know? He was convinced that God gave them the victory. And sure enough, all God had to do was say, Angels, miracles over. And the water came in. And that was it. But some of those bodies washed up on the shore. And some of those chariots smashed to smithereens. You think they took what Moses said seriously after that? You know, it's one thing for somebody to hey, they're going to get messed up. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You're just trying to make us feel good as we're taking a last stand here. But sure enough, they did see the bodies. But they were dead bodies. They'd been drowned. They'd been destroyed. They were no longer any kind of a threat. That song, 228 in our book, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I think it's the verse, second verse is we should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what we're talking about this morning. Sunday school helps me an awful lot in preparation for messages. So, you could get paranoid. You could say, what if this? What if that? I've been around a lot of paranoid schizophrenics who are just afraid of their own shadow. Well, it's a good day today, but tomorrow might be bad. There's trouble in the economy. There's trouble in politics. There's trouble in world affairs. There's trouble with this. There's trouble with Folks, 
victory. The Lord is the one who fights our battles. The Lord is the one who has done for us. The Lord is the one who has taken us out. I'll give you a, a preview. Next week, the Lord willing, in Psalm 61. You know, a lot of times we talk about we talk about three letters in a row, like A, B, C, and X, Y, Z. But there's three letters that come up in our alphabet, and they're not A, B, C, or D, E, F, but they're three letters back to back. And those three letters indicate what the Lord is to us as His people. I'll let you think about that. Maybe you can find it there. Psalm 61. But to rejoice in that. To know. Because of all the what-ifs boggle our mind. Just don't be so concerned about the the H-O-W, how God's going to do it. Just turn those letters around to spell out W-H-O, who has made the promise. There you go. Our takeaway, let's back up to Psalm 56. Verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust to thee. Anybody here who's never been afraid of of anything, any occasion, for any reason. I'm glad we're honest about that. Yeah, I've been afraid. I've been afraid of a lot of things. And you have too, if you're honest. So it's not a question of if, but when. What time I'm afraid. Sometimes teachers of little ones remind both little ones that what time I'm afraid. I will trust in Him. Confidence in the Lord. Because He's the only one that can get you through. He's the only one who will get you through. And I hope that speaks to you. We're going to pray and then let's transition. And I know our bulletin says we're going to have a ladies meeting and a men's meeting. But something has come up that... Uh, think we need to know about. Something to pray about. Something to be exercised over. Someone that we can lift up in prayer. Some of you might know what I've been talking about. I asked one person, did you read such and such? And she's not here. She didn't know what I was talking about. So I said, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But instead of Ladies down there and men in here, let's have a quick meeting of members in this room. Something that. Uh